0: Welcome to episode 155. This is Paula Jenkins with the season three finale of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, I am super excited to be doing the top 10 countdown of most downloaded episodes for season three. I love doing this each season. You can find these for both season one and two as well. I'll link up to those in the show notes. It's really fun to go back and pull the stats to see what were the most downloaded episodes of season three. All of these were released in the last year. So that's the requirement. And then I just see what you guys have listened to the most. And it is always quite interesting. Uh If you're new, this is a great episode to tune into and get a sense of the show, and what I'll be doing is the the countdown itself, of course, and then I pull a little bit, a snippet from every one of the shows that really resonated with me when I spoke to the guest, or in some cases, some of these are solo casts, So, and that's where I'm doing the show all on my own, so also very fun when that happens. If you are new to the show and you want to find out more about Jumpstart Your Joy, you can find it all at the website at JumpstartYourJoy.com. There's 154 other awesome episodes <laughs> over there, if I do say so myself. And uh, you could also find the show notes for this episode at JumpstartYourJoy.com forward slash final three, final three. Um, and I'll link up to all of the original episodes if you want to hear them. Uh, if you're delighted by the guest and you want to hear more, you can find the links there. And um, so let's just dive right in. We are going to go from 10 to 1, as we should with a top 10 countdown. And at number 10, super excited to have the joy junkie herself, Amy Smith on in episode 122. I loved that one, I got to talk to another person that loves joy as much as I do. And loved, loved, loved that she talked a lot about how you are responsible for the intention of something that you say. So if you're in the midst of a really difficult conversation, how do you find the courage and the bravery to say what you need to say um, without being worried about how it's received? And just the insight, and this is what we'll hear in just a second, about being responsible for your intention and not the reception from the other person I don't know. It just really freed up a lot of the worry that sometimes I have about saying the thing that needs to be said.
1: One of the biggest fallacies that I think people buy into is that if you're presenting information to somebody that's not what they want to hear, that you are inflicting pain on that person that you're causing them pain that you're being a dick or you're being an asshole instead of really taking ownership of how you're showing up in the world so that statement that i've told my mom i could say that with malice i could say that with acrimony and spite and bitterness or i could envelop it in kindness and grace and so that that's one of the fallacies that I'm always trying to get people to understand is just because somebody doesn't like what you have to say does not mean that you're out of integrity. It could just mean that it's uncomfortable because you both have values around different things. So one of the things that I love to share with people to put that really into perspective is that you are responsible for your intention, not your reception, your reception is going to be all across the board, right? So, for example, my husband and I have always felt very strongly that we didn't want children. And when we share that with people, the reception is all across the board. And sometimes people applaud it, sometimes people think we are just unbelievably selfish and that we're going to regret it, and then other people are completely indifferent. So, if I have this reception that is all over all across the board of how people can consume that information and then create their own judgment. If I tried to cater to every single way that I could be received, it would be a rat race. Not only can mm-hmm. I not do it, but then I'm a liar. I'm lying if I am trying to twist and contort just so that that person receives my information in in a way that they feel good about. So if I switch up the goal, like the goal is just my intention showing up in a way in which I am proud. And for me, That is kind of a combination of being assertive, not lying about what I have to say. So actually saying what I mean and doing so with grace and kindness so that whatever I am expressing, I'm doing it from a really lovely, kind place.
0: I love what Amy has to say about the goal of communication being to show up in a way that you're really proud of and that we can be assertive with both grace and kindness. So thank you, Amy, coming in at number 10. Number nine is a solo cast. It's episode 120. And it's one of the episodes where I talk all about the imposter syndrome, which comes up so often in people that I work with, that I coach. One of the things that really resonated and that I got a lot of feedback from was this idea of what makes someone an expert? So of course, when you are met with the imposter syndrome, it's kind of that question that comes up in your head about who am I to do this thing? Or as you start to grow your own business or, you know, your own creative endeavor, you feel like maybe you don't have what it takes to do this thing. And of course you do. And that's one of the things that I talk about in episode 120, but really digging in about what makes someone an expert and how we can reframe What is an expert? How can we see ourselves an expert? Why do we give somebody the title of expert? And, you know, how can we see ourselves in a new light? And so the other thing that I want us to consider is that somewhere in the imposter syndrome is some sort of story, a capital S story, that you need to be an expert or that there is some high level of proficiency required for something to be either enjoyable or worthwhile or that there is some sort of level of proficiency where someone actually is bestowed a title of expert. And so to, to all of this, uh, you know, there's really three things wrapped in here. Is one, what makes someone an expert? I don't know that we can define that and it's be a great thing to ask your ego or your inner critic as they come up and say, you're not an expert, you know, asking, well wh- who is? What would it what would it make me an expert at this? And that's where you could get out that list as well and just say, well, look, here's my credentials. I think I might be an expert. (laughs) The other thing is really considering that you don't have to be an expert to enjoy or teach something or for it to be meaningful. And this is where the tie in for joy and the imposter syndrome is for me is if you're questioning if you know enough, for example, what happens when you counter that voice with the question of, do I need to be an expert to do this? Can I enjoy this thing if I'm not the best in the world at it? Can this activity be meaningful without being an expert? Coming in at number eight of the top 10 most downloaded episodes of season three is episode 111, and that was with musician Morgan Bolander, And if you recall, I met Morgan at the Danielle Laporte event for one of her books at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco. And after I heard Morgan sing, I went right up to her and said, will you please be on the podcast? (laughs) Um, And I know so many of you just loved hearing about her story of how she became a singer because she'd gone from a place where she'd been a special education teacher and realized that that was not the dream on her heart. And it's really beautiful the way she describes kind of hearing and tuning in to the language of her own soul and how she followed her heart to become a musician. So number eight of the most downloaded, Morgan Bolender.
2: I was suddenly like, I just turned 22. I was 6,000 miles away from everyone that I knew. And I was just like on the island, the big island of Hawaii. And I mean, I realized that I had two choices in that moment. Like when I woke up crying, I was like, okay, I can keep on going in this direction of social prestige and keep sounding good to folks and doing this work while I'm the side having this devotion to my heart and to living with a sort of singularity and oneness devotion to my own heart's truth and then I was I could do that or and then I was like wait a second with choosing the one that's just my heart's truth like there can't be another one Mm -hmm. and I go and I'm just looking at the ocean and I'm like willing myself to feel again Mm -hmm. because I had just been head down plow forward for a long time and I knew that I couldn't feel and I'm sitting there and I'm like staring at the ocean and start writing and I write. I know when I landed on this island, it felt alive to me, but like, where are the pulse points? And Mm. I kid you not within one second of writing that I hear like a drum (laughs) from across the way. (laughs) Wow! I look and now there's one other car in the parking lot and there is one man on the other side sitting under a tree playing his drum and mm. I was like what the hell <laughs> and I feel like that's the moment my life started in some ways you know like my life yeah. of magic and possibility and freedom and and so I, I walk over magnetized but I don't want him to see me because I'm like a mess like truly a mess and I've got I've got a Krishnamurti book and a Kurt Vonnegut book and I just close enough that I could hear him, but far enough away that he can't really see me. And I sit and I pretend to read one of those books
3: (laughs) for (laughs) like an hour or two.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And what I'm feeling is like the warmth of that rhythm melting the frozen parts inside Mm. of me. And I I finally like get to cry and, you know, like the, the melted (laughs) water just coming down my eyes and Oh, I get deep breath for the first time in so long. And a few hours later, I get up to go leave and my legs just start taking me toward him. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no, you don't want to see anyone right now. And they're just going and it's like, you need to thank him. And I'm like, oh, so I like walk over. And as I get closer, I see that he's just like this glowing, glowing person. Wow. And I get close and he looks up at me and I'm like breath taken out of me. Mm-hmm. of like the beauty and it was the most presence i'd seen in any person's eyes in my life. Mm. He just looked at me and he's like aloha. Mm. And everything stopped for me, you know, and i was just like, "Hi." Um <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted um i just wanted to thank you. Um, you know, I like and i told him a little bit and he was just like, "Well, great. Like glad that it did that for you. Awesome." And like, it was just so chill and I was just so moved. And the next day I went again and we ended up spending the whole day together until the sun set into the ocean talking about, oh my God, just everything, but Mm -hmm. like with a focus on like Sufism and Taoism and just ideas and theories and feelings. And it was just like so nourishing for me. I felt like I'd maybe for the first time met someone who was on the same page as me, but further down it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, she was like, I think you may find more of what you're looking for on the other side of the Island. And like, that was it. Wow. <laughs> so there's like, I mean, this story could be too long, so I'm going to,
0: I love that Morgan found her voice and she listened to that calling And if you haven't heard her song, Mary Oliver, you need to go back to episode 111 and listen. Number seven in The Countdown was the episode right after Morgan, and that was with Alexandra Franzen. She had just released her book, You're Going to Survive, which is really great. It's all about how we get through difficult situations at work and other places, and I really enjoyed the conversation. I especially loved Alex's insight around how you can turn a day around even when it feels like it has been not a notable day in any way, but that you can make the decision in any moment that today is not over yet, and that you can still make it an amazing day. And of course, this ties into my very big belief that joy is a choice, and then we keep choosing it. And for that reason, I was super excited that Alex's message resonated with you guys as much as it did with me.
3: But you talk about
4: that moment where you say today
0: is not over yet. Is that like your mantra through
3: this book for yourself as you were writing?
4: Yeah, yeah. Today is not over yet is one of those, I guess you can call it a mantra or a personal reminder Mm -hmm. that I say to myself all the time because it's always true, right? Whether it's, it's, you know, know, 1 a.m. in the morning or 11 p.m. at night, no matter what time of day it is, today is not over yet, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny. And it's one of those phrases that I say to myself, especially when I'm feeling defeated or having a rough day at work, or, you know, maybe I've been kind of lazy and I've been procrastinating and I haven't achieved as much as I hoped I would. And now it's 5 p.m. and I'm sort of like, well, today is just a waste. Well, maybe not, right? Because today is not over yet. And there's always time to turn things around. There's always time to end the day on a positive note, even if it's something as small as, you know, writing a thank you note to someone you care about or calling your mom for five minutes to chat and laugh. Or, you know, reading one poem that you really love and that leaves you feeling inspired. Like, there's always something, right, that we can do to end the day on a somewhat positive note. And I love that. And that, that definitely is a message in uh, my book, You're Going to Survive. And I actually have a story called Today is Not Over Yet inside the book. And, it's, yes, it's a huge message. In fact, I think Today is Not Over Yet might be the final sentence of the book, <laughs> if I remember correctly.
0: That's wonderful. Do you want to share a little bit about the story that you share in the book?
4: Yeah, yeah. It's a story that I actually shared on my blog a couple years ago. And it was so interesting because it was one of those things where I, I wrote it out and I posted it on my blog and I sent it to my email newsletter. And it was just kind of an ordinary, everyday story. There was nothing dramatic about it. So what happened, you know, really briefly is that I was just basically having a kind of a lazy day. I, I overslept. I was I felt groggy when I woke up. I had to do a long drive, which sort of, you know, put a kink in my day. I got home. It was rainy. I didn't really get any work done. It was just one of those days where it, it all just kind of felt like a waste, you know, and mm-hmm. and now it's getting close to the end of the day. And, and I remember <laughs> I was about to order a pizza and just sort of say well you know today was a waste but i'll try to do better tomorrow and i was ready to just get a pizza and kind of curl up on the couch and and check out basically and as i was <laughs> like typing the number of the pizza restaurant <laughs> into my phone i remember hearing a voice in my head, like really hearing a voice in my head as if someone was speaking to me and it was it was almost startling. And the voice just said, today is not over yet. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I realized that's so true. Today is not over yet. And, you know, I in that moment, I just turned everything around. I decided to sign up for a yoga class. I went to the yoga class. I had an amazing time. It felt so good. On the way home, I, I called my parents and chatted with them and had just a beautiful conversation. Then I went and I was able to, at the last moment, book myself, I think, a massage, and I had this incredible massage, and it was so awesome. And I felt so inspired. and I walked home, you know, through the drizzling rain, and it was so refreshing. and I got home and I felt inspired to write. And I ended up writing, you know several essays and articles that night and sharing them and And I remember falling asleep that night and just feeling like, you know, what had started as kind of the most glum, boring, lazy, soggy, unproductive day of my year ended up being one of the most beautiful and and meaningful and and energizing days of my year. And it all turned around because of this idea, today is not over yet. And that was Alexandra Franzen
0: from episode 112. um in in spot number seven coming in at number six was a repeat double guest (laughs) it was brianna and dr peter borton dr peter borton and they had been on the show last year when they had released their book the well life and they came back again in season three to talk about rituals for transformation, which was which is and was an amazing book. I was honored to have them back and loved that they talked about how their take on sharing about faith and divinity and how it impacts our lives, that they've gone deeper now and how they feel it's super important. They were in episode 106 and I loved how they talked about how there is a larger transformation at play for each of us when we tap into it and especially loved our discussion about seeing the spark of divinity in all people. This especially resonated with me and I was so excited to get to speak to someone else about it.
5: Yeah, I think there's something here at play and in our previous books, we were kind of tentative about using the word God or, you know, we're always very careful to offer people many different terms for whatever they want to call that, whether it's Tao or spirit or God or love. I wouldn't say we tiptoed around it, but we recognized the potential for people to be put off. And to associate that stuff with religion and maybe negative experiences otherwise in their life. And yet, we had so many personal and professional experiences where a thing that was transformative in, you know, like a quantum change in quality of life that we felt like we had to be really frank about it in this one. And, um, You know, it's like the recognition that all of your attention has been on the tiniest little tip of an iceberg and that there's this vastness that you are that is accessible to you and gives you a perspective that makes all of the things that tend to sweep us up in drama and suffering seem rather insignificant in comparison, which isn't to say that when you have an experience of your highest self, that you just stop caring about the little things, but they aren't able to monopolize your attention in the same way. And uh, that's a transformation. It might not require that you you know, quit your job or end your marriage or any of the other things that I think people fear a spiritual awakening is likely to produce in them, more likely is that it's going to alter the fundamental presence that you bring to all of those things. And you're going to feel a lot more free in terms of how you show up.
6: There's this tendency to be like, just like, just going to send everything love and light and hope that that all works out. and Yet, we are living these human experiences, and we're very connected to each other. And so, I really think that one of the hardest things to do as, like, somebody who aims to be, like, a spiritual warrior of sorts is to stay connected to the truth of, and see the big difference there is, is that people to be like, well, I'm connected to the divine inside of me and therefore I don't need to deal with the problems out there. But if we are really all connected, there's divine in everyone, how do we forgive? How do we see the divine in others? How do we see the divinity in somebody who isn't able to see it in themselves? Because that's what's happening. People are not connected to truth. They're not able to access in themselves where they are connected to God or love or the truth, whatever you want to call it. And that is creating them to fraction off and take actions that are really painful for other humans. So if we do the same thing and allow ourselves to be disconnected, to see them as disconnected as well, rather than seeing them through the eyes of the divine and seeing that they do have that light in them and holding them to it and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and holding it. Because when we lose that perspective, then we're all lost. Then we've all fallen off the bus.
0: At number five, I'm super excited to talk a little bit about Fred LeBlanc, the lead singer and drummer of the band Cowboy Mouth. I also included Fred in last week's episode, which is 154. You should go back and listen because Fred along with Julia Samuel and Suzanne Callan were really some of the most impactful and, I don't know, altering conversations that I had all year. So it is no surprise that Fred showed up in the top 10. I love what he talks about here and Really, the whole conversation, I just, I find myself revisiting snippets of it in my own mind from time to time. One of my favorite parts of the conversation with Fred was when he talked about getting back in touch with something that brings him joy, even when he's in the midst of a really hard time. And again, this goes back to that choice thing that we can make a choice. And sometimes the next step in choosing joy is taking the small action that's needed to get us back in touch with once, what once brought us joy. And so here we go with Fred LeBlanc at number five.
7: I, got, I went through a really rough divorce about three years ago. It was really, really bad. And I realized that, you know, whenever you go through some sort of a loss, especially if it's an intimate loss, like, you know, something along those lines, this feeling that I had was just coursing through my body. And, you know, it was very tangible. I could feel it, you know, and it was just, it was a combination of grief and rage and everything like that, you know, and then I kind of realized, you know, because i I'd been through, you know, different things in life as we all have, and I just thought to myself, it's like, I, I just don't have, I can't go through this again. Mm-hmm. I can't do this again. I just can't. You know, and I went through the whole thing where you just kind of, you know, you lose a lot of weight. You know, you're basically, your body's on an adrenaline high constantly because, you know, it's it's that type of thing. I realized that, you know, once again, if you look at it in terms of energy, it's like, okay, what's, you know, a lot of people think, okay, what's the opposite of love? And people say hate. I was like, no, that's not it at all. The opposite of love. Love and hate are basically the same thing on a very core level in that they are intense energies focused in a particular direction. Mm -hmm. The opposite of love or hate is apathy. I wasn't there by a long shot, but then I thought I'd just be just sitting somewhere and just literally just dying, you know, just going insane. And then it's like, wait, 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 you know, take your energy back, take your energy back. Cause I realized that every time I was feeling really just depleted or worn out, my mind would wander. Like, what are they doing? What is she doing? What do they do? You know, what's going on? My mind was wandering outside of myself. It's like, and I had to consciously consciously, tell myself over and over again to take my energy back. And sometimes I even had to say it out loud mm, Yeah, and it, it didn't work. It wasn't like, boom, like, Oh, I, I'm healed or anything like that. But what the one thing I noticed is once I consciously took my energy back, that feeling, that feeling of just having a boulder on your chest dissipated for like five, 10 seconds,
0: mm-hmm.
7: you know, but I realized, wow, this is, this is something I, I, I And it got to the point. I was like, okay, I really have to be conscious of taking my energy back and not sending that energy out to people or things that would be destructive for me.
2: Mm-hmm. And
7: so it was kind of a very eye opening thing. Once again, the whole energy thing of just where to put my energy and where to put my consciousness and try to focus that back either on myself or doing things that would make me feel stronger, feel better that would uh, empower me or, you know, people around me or friends, loved ones, things like that, instead of subconsciously focusing on things that were killing me. Yeah. And that was a pretty powerful realization for me. It took me some time, obviously, but, you know, because, you know, healing always takes time, but it was a break that I really needed. Mm -hmm. And I found that once I was able to direct the energy where I wanted it to go instead of unconsciously just letting it fly anywhere, you know, controlling my thoughts, controlling my energies, things like that. I could put my energy, the energy of grief or whatever, into a performance and have it be something that really, instead of just raging, I could actually use that energy because the energy is going. Right. Where you put it is up to you.
0: At number four for season three, we come up to episode 115, and it's the interview with Andrea Owen, who, of course, is of your kick-ass life, and she came on the show after she had just released her book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, which I read in its entirety and really, truly enjoyed it. Um, It's really a great one to pick up if you have not yet read it. One of the things that I love the most about speaking with Andrea on was how in today's society, we often have a badge of honor around being strong. And what does that mean? And so I really love how she unpacked this for us and kind of called us on our own BS around what it means to actually be strong and and what we can look for in our own lives as strength.
3: I think that the one that doesn't get talked about a whole, whole lot is the concept of being strong. I reserved a whole chapter for this because the women in my community we grow up having a whole badge of of being strong like we wear that with honor and we get praised for quote unquote being strong. We tell each other to be strong and it was that chapter was born from actually a Facebook post that I saw This woman wasn't my friend, but it it must've been a friend of a friend that shared something. I can't can't remember specifically, but it was a woman who had been in a car accident. She was driving and she was with two or three of her children. One of her children died. Mm. And there were so many comments that said, stay strong, mama, be strong. Your kids need you to be strong. And I was like, the woman just lost her baby. Like she has every right to fall apart at the seams. I know I would. And I think that, of course, all those people met well. And I think that we, again, it was, goes back to what I was just saying. We are so uncomfortable with, with pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And we have, we, I think so many people, myself included for many years before I got sober in 2011, are just like emotionally illiterate and afraid of hard feelings. And I, I write about in the book, like I want to change the definition of being strong because to me, being strong is actually reaching out for help when we need it, is falling apart when we need to fall apart, is walking into grief as grief comes to the door and calls us. Like these real life things that end up happening to everyone in a lifetime, that to me is being strong is to be able to sit with someone in their pain when you are uncomfortable and when you don't know what to say, when you want to fix it, when the urge is to fix it, but you know there are no words that can actually take this pain away from that person. That is being strong. That's hard to do, to sit there with someone like that. Mm -hmm. And like, I just, I feel like I get really fired up about this, Paula, obviously. Mm (laughs)
0: <laughs> but well, it I just, totally I, resonated with me. Like I, I want to turn the
3: definition yeah. on its head of what yeah. being strong really is. Because you know what? For the longest time, I thought being strong was to just suck it up and soldier on. Sweep mm. it under the rug. We don't have to talk about it. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. I'm going to be okay. Let's talk about you instead. That's not being strong. That's being afraid.
0: Coming in at number three of season three is a solo cast that I did in January, which was all about creating your very own actionable bucket list. I had become kind of frustrated with the popularity of bucket lists and the fact that more often than not, it seems like it's a list for lists' sake and that there's not a lot of action that gets encouraged about doing the things that would light you up and bring you so much joy. And so I did an entire episode that you guys downloaded quite a bit, all about creating an actionable bucket list as part of a New Year's resolution. One of the things that I brought up uh, was how do you add things, how do you choose, mindfully choose what you add to your bucket list if you have one, and how you can make a bucket list actionable and something that you can live from and get inspiration from in your day to day. Next, mindfulness. What makes the list? If you already have a bucket list, but you have ignored it, or you aren't inspired by it, and what to keep on it, get it out. (laughs) Get your list out as soon as you can. Right now, if you can, if you're driving or sitting at work, get it out later when you get home tonight. Get that list out, look it over. And really checking in with yourself what rings true for you on this list. And this is where I want you to be really almost too honest with yourself. What got put on this list? Because it seemed cool, or someone you admire mentioned it once, or maybe you did visit the 10,000 things to add to your bucket list list, what on there doesn't necessarily feel like it comes from you? What on there, and this is the hard moment, folks, was put on there because it felt like somebody else's dream? Or... Seemed cool or was a passing fad. Get that stuff off your list. (laughs) The reason I'm asking this question of how have you been adding the items that are on your bucket list is because if this list is going to be something that continues to be meaningful to you, it needs to have things on it that are mindfully curated. If you're going to, let's just break this down. If you're going to spend the time and the money and the effort and then the essence of your wild and precious life pursuing these things, it's important that everything on the list be special and important to you in some way. And this might mean, in the case of Carter in the movie The Bucket List, that your list isn't long. It could be kind of short. And it might also mean that there's quite a few things on there that might take a long time to complete. Because like life, you're. Your life list or your bucket list is a work in progress. This list and its completion is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. It isn't about quick wins or immediate gratification. It's more about asking the question of what defines you and what do you do very mindfully and want to be known for. And I think a little side note there is there might also be some things on this list that aren't these big, lofty, heavy things. I mean, you could very honestly put some some very small things on your list. I don't know why, but I think owning a funny pair of sunglasses. I mean, sometimes that's a big deal. (laughs) And if you if you really knew me, I love funny sunglasses. So that's like, I think balancing those things out, but there's gotta be a resonance with you if you're spending your time, your money, and your precious life on following these things. On the flip of that, one of the things I'm not really a big fan of is the urge to compile as many cool things as you can and add them to the ever running list. So back to that crazy blog post about 10,000 things to add to your bucket list. I'm not really sure that that kind of a thing is helpful, nor do I really understand the thinking behind adding thousands of things to your list that seem kind of mildly interesting. Let's follow this to a conclusion as we look at how to layer mindfulness onto a life list or bucket list. Let's say you visited one of those big posts and looked it over. And so I've I've been to the 10,000 things to... Add to your bucket list post, clearly. One of the things that I've seen on several of these jumbo lists and that fascinates me is spending a night in an underwater hotel. I don't know why. That was just one that I was like, hey, if I was just going to pick something to put on a list, that might be one of them. So I think there are a few of these hotels in the world, and I've seen images from one of them in Dubai. If I'm being honest, I'm also super intrigued by those man-made palm-shaped islands that were, that are in Dubai. So I, I will link to both the underwater hotel and these palm islands <laughs> in the show notes, just startyourjoy.com slash episode 117. But so the underwater suite, I looked it up and if I really, if I wanted to stay there overnight, it would be almost $5,900 a night in US dollars. It's called the Neptune suite. And I'm going to admit, it kind of looks like it might just have a really big aquarium instead of a window. So I don't know that it's really underwater, but just makes you feel like you're underwater. So I'm going to admit, even just in researching that, it might feel a little disappointing with that kind of a price tag. But being armed with that info, doing a tiny bit of research, I think I can pretty much cross this hotel off my list. As the experience doesn't feel like something that would really be fulfilling to me. If I kept it on the list... I think it would only be there, and this is me being totally honest as I'm asking you guys to do, but like it would only be on the list as a novelty item or a what if item. Or maybe it'd be the kind of thing that I'd feel like had some kind of high roller appeal, which it does, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all like luxe events and like kind of cool high end events to attend. VIP is always awesome. But I'm going to say that this specific hotel and the Neptune Suite, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that I, if I hold it up to the mirror of, does this make my soul feel complete? No. Staying in a hotel with an underwater or aquarium window, no, that I don't think that that completes me. It it is a novelty fun idea. So that's the gauge I want you guys to think of. Either in creating your own bucket list or at looking at the things on your list right now. Is this thing going to be truly interesting and fulfilling? And does it resonate deeply with who I am? And that was number three, episode 117, The Actionable Bucket List. Number two on the countdown is another solo cast, which it always blows me away that you guys listen to them and download these solo casts so much. It's always just a surprise and I delight in it. This number two episode is the one all about content planning, which is a topic that is one of my favorite things to talk about. It's really no surprise to me that it is one of the favorites of this last year because it's something that I do in my podcasting class, which you can find out more about at jumpstartyourpodcast.com. And it's also something that I do day to day as a project manager in my day job. So one of the things that I shared about was how to really get clear on your message if you're starting a podcast or a blog or a business or planning a retreat, which is another big topic that's all over my blog, um, another thing that I love to do. And so I really broke it down and gave you guys the basics of how to do content planning. The first thing I want you to do, and there'll be a worksheet also associated with this, is I want you to step back and think about one to three words that are going to guide your work. Kind of regardless of if you are tackling a podcast or a retreat or creating a new blog, I want you to sit down and think, okay, what is this thing about? And limit it to three words. So in the case of We Can Use My Show as an example, it's about joy. It's about mindfulness and finding inspiration. So those are the things that my show is generally about. I'm drawn to also saying like people who have gone through hard times. Again, that's way more than one word. But like those are the nuggets that this show is about. And I could tell you that, you know, off the top of my head. And so I want you to think about that for whatever it is that you're creating. What? So maybe it's more descriptions than it is specific words, and that's okay. But list them out. One, two, three, four, five things that are the core of what you are creating. I also want you to make this kind of broad because you're going to need enough proverbial space to play in as your retreat or blog or podcast reveals itself. You wanna pick a topic and you might, if you're working with a team or you're working with other people specifically on this project, maybe run it past them. Like, does this sound like the thing that we want to embark upon together? Well, and let's make this, let's right size it for the thing that you are doing. So if it's a podcast that you want to start, I would encourage you to find something that you want to talk a lot about, right? You're going to be probably doing this for weeks, if not years. So make sure it's something that you really want to talk about a lot and in an ongoing way. Maybe leave it open-ended enough that you know you will find enough content eventually to create If it's something that is a retreat and it's a weekend, well, then maybe it doesn't have to be something that is going to, in marketing speak, campaign itself out again and again week over week, right? You could say, I really want to spend a weekend on this topic, and so that's all the content I need to create. So right-size it for the thing and the duration that you think you'll be spending with this topic, but it should be something that you're excited about delivering, right? Because when you even start talking about drawing people in and and sharing about whatever it is that you're creating, you really want to be excited about it because that comes off (laughs) in what you create. And it comes out in the flyers you put out, how you talk about it in your marketing eventually. So make sure it's something you're really excited about. And that was number two from episode 120, all about content planning. You guys can find the link. If you want to listen to the whole thing, at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash final three, number three. (laughs) Okay, so it's time for the big drum roll. This is the number one most downloaded episode of season three. It was episode 124 with confidence coach Tanika Mason. You guys, this one was a runaway. You have downloaded this more than any other episode from season three. I love getting the chance to speak to Tanika all about confidence. And one of my very favorite quotes, and I think yours too, from this conversation, was how she encourages the people she works with to use the things you're confident in to shine. So, it's all for her it's all about teasing out those things that you already love you're already good at and that already bring you joy and using those things really exemplifying and bringing out the good to make you feel more confident
8: definitely we're, we're, we're getting there but again women especially especially because we take on so many roles um, as opposed to uh, uh, a male or <laughs> mm-hmm. um, somebody else. We take on all the roles. You know, we, put, we clean, we can, you know, I work under the hood of my car sometimes. So there's tons of things that we take on as females that men sometimes just, you know, they don't or they don't have to or they won't. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, as women especially, we have got to look out for ourselves first and foremost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think even just talking about it, I mean, whether it's here on a podcast or recognizing it with your friends and, and not what, not accepting it, that it's what, just not accepting that it has to always be this way, meaning you have to do all the things or just admitting to each other that, you know what, I'm tired or
8: this feels hard or I need help. (laughs) Exactly. And we don't do that enough. You know, um, for yeah. example, in one of my, in my community, I have a couple of communities, in one of my communities, a Facebook group, um, mm-hmm. so the women, they don't speak up enough. And I'm trying to, and I was like that way back in the day as well. So it's 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 a process, and you have to get into the habit But I think once women figure out that, hey, I need help, and it's okay to say that you need, need help, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's a courageous moment um, to be able to speak up and say, hey, I'm here. This is what I do, and yes, I have a question about this, or hey, this is what I'm good at. This is my expertise. Yes, let me answer that question for you. So, and I think that we've just been too accustomed to to holding back and holding, not everybody, but most females are, you know, been accustomed to holding back just a little bit too much, and now it's time to, this is definitely the best time to let loose, throw your kind of inhibitions to the wind, and really go back to making yourself happy and finding those things that make you happy and the things that you're confident about. Use those to propel yourself forward in your life and in your business.
0: The point that you just made there about kind of the confidence being, it's almost like a. there's two sides to it. One that we're, confidence can come out and that we may not ask for help. But it also Mm -hmm. comes out that we're not always talking about the things we know we're good at. It's, that's so interesting. (laughs) Then we kind of isolate ourselves into the, like, I don't want to be, what, I don't want to play too big, or I I don't even know what it is. But it's interesting that it impacts both sides. Like, I'm afraid, not specifically me, but I might Mm -hmm. be afraid to ask for help. But, and I'm also, I don't want to shine
8: too bright. Like, Yeah. But you definitely should. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think we all need to realize is that it's okay. Um, I think, you know, well, I know for a fact, we're all, you know, worried about being judged as well. But honestly, again, this day and age, past couple of years, things that have happened out in, you know, social media, entertainment, mm-hmm. world politics, all of the things um, around women as, you know, it is our time and it is okay. And yes, people are going to hate on you. Yes, people are not going to support um what you do or you know what standpoint you're taking on a certain issue or a topic but who cares (laughs) again it's 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 about you what makes you happy and you feeling confident in all that you do and then voicing those um concerns or voicing you know your expertise all of those things start to come into play and it's just it's it's time It's, it's it's way overdue and i think Luckily, the day and age that we're in right now, it's a lot, it's getting a lot easier to be able to do that. So, um, very exciting times. I'm very, very excited about everything that's been going on in the world. Um, so, when you start to build up that confidence, especially from the inside, and you completely um, know the ways to tap into it, then you can use it. To market your business, and that is something that a lot of um, women don't do, whether they're scared of marketing or they just have no idea how to market, and sometimes it's not about, you know, again, the strategy or the formulas and all these different ways to market. Sometimes it's just a matter of, um, you know, saying what's on your mind, um, getting to know people and building up, you know, relationships and communicating with people. That's, going to help you market. So my marketing may be a little bit different than than other people's marketing but once you start building those relationships and you start talking about your services and what you do and what you put out there, as long as you're confident in that, it's going to show in everything that you do. Therefore, you're going to start attracting the people And the right people, the right clients, the right businesses, the right, you know, people that need to come and hear your message and that are going to want to work with you. So they definitely go hand in hand. And I think if you probably talk to a lot of people, if they're not confident at all, they're probably not really marketing their business at all. Mm. Um, And so they definitely, definitely go hand in hand. So once, you know, I work with my clients and I talk with them and we figure out the ways that make them feel confident. And there are some things I call them, I guess, like pillars, things that you should be doing um, that are going to help to build up that confidence. And it's all about little, small, actionable steps that you can take, things that you can do here and there in your life and in your business um, that you can do. Once they start to do those things, then it's like, wow, I, I completely know about Facebook ads. This is my wheelhouse. This is what I do. And you start to show up as a confident person. You may not realize it or know it, but then you start to attract those right people. And sooner or later, it all just hits and it all makes sense. Wow, the confidence, I know what to do. I know how to tap into it. I know what lights me up inside. And then when you're passionate about it and you're talking about it or you're putting an ad together or you're on a phone call with somebody or you're out speaking at an engagement or even just networking with people, that comes across. And people are attracted to that. When they're attracted to it, Then they want to know who you are, what exactly it is that you do. They start to follow you, You start to build your community, your tribe, and then they start to buy from you. So that's kind of, you know, the process that I take my clients through is, again, finding what it is they're confident about, not going out there and saying, okay, I have to do the accounting, I have to do the HR, I have to do the graphics, I have to do the website. No, 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 no. Stop doing all of that because... There's a few people that can do all of those things that you need to do in your business. But if you find the things that you are absolutely an expert at, that you're good at, focus on that. Let that shine. The people are going to come. You'll build up your empire and you, you can outsource those other things that you aren't good at.
0: Thanks so much, you guys. Tanika, thank you for being the most downloaded episode. Number one, Tanika Mason in episode 124. All About Confidence, if you want to hear the rest of that conversation, you can check out the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash final three. That's the number three for season three. And you guys, that's it. So that is the part two of the season finale for season three of Jumpstart Your Joy. If you want to go back and listen to part one of this season finale, where I talk all about the mo- the top three most impactful conversations that I had in this year. Um, like I said earlier, it was with Fred LeBlanc, Julia Samuel, and Suzanne Colon really kind of brought out this new idea of what is joy? How do we get there? And how is it mindfulness, action-oriented, playful, and really planned out? Like, how do we get there? So those, those conversations, it's a look back. You can find them on the website uh, and in the show notes. And so that's a wrap. I can't believe it's been three, well, really almost four years Since I started this this show, thanks you guys so much for listening. It means so much to me. Uh, I would love to hear from you. If you want to take a survey on your favorite things from Season 3, I'd love to hear what's resonating with you guys. I get a lot of data from downloads and other information, but here's what you can do. There'll be a link in the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash final three to go over and take just a short survey tell me a little bit about yourself tell me what guests you enjoyed give me some ideas for who you might like to hear in amazing season four which is coming up and is underway and is being planned i already have my list of who i'm inviting so can't wait to see how those conversations come out So I will just leave it here. The next few episodes will be look back lessons, which is my way of saying reruns. And so you guys will hear some of those conversations again. Um, But just a heartfelt thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. And I hope you'll come back and hear those conversations again from some of those most downloaded episodes. And until we speak again, I hope your days are filled with so much joy.